Welcome to Honey and Homeschooling the Kids, a podcast that steps into alternative education, parenting, and living a funner, fuller family life. I'm Robin, home educator, unschooling mom to two funny, eclectic kids, and we're here to create a space for families to listen, connect, learn from others, and be inspired. Join us every two weeks to hear interviews and tips from experts in learning, education, and parenting, and stories from families that are playing full out in the arena of life and education. World schooling, unschooling, alternative schooling, homeschooling, or just creating a whole new style of learning. Welcome to another episode of Honey, I'm Homeschooling the Kids, and I'm inviting you to please leave a review. It really helps our podcast to be seen and to reach others. And also, you can leave a review on iTunes or on any podcast player that you have. And now let's do read the reviews. Okay, this one is called Great Interviewing. Robin's smart and clear interviewing style keeps me coming back for more. I can tell she thinks deeply about the topics and takes her job seriously in the best of ways. And that is by Marie Louise, 2710. Thank you, Marie. And Mom, who did you interview in this episode? I interviewed Inga Hope in this episode. And why did you interview her? Uh, Inga is just such a fascinating woman. She is so interesting. She is a musician, a songwriter. She's a guitar teacher as well. And she's the founder and creator of the Gentle Guitar School and Music Ed Magazine and author of the Gentle Guitar Method for Kids. And she has amazing insight on learning music, on supporting our kids in music, how to best create a supportive musical environment and how to find the right teachers and music school for our children ones that support and encourage and build confidence and ones that don't overwhelm but know how to really work with the student. And she has great insight, and it was really a great interview. And would you like to say anything else about her? Yes, I actually would. Inga is a New Zealand national currently living in Denmark, and that's where we did the interview from. She was in Denmark at the time, and she has an innovative take on kids' music as education and a great creative spark that I think many parents will understand. You can find her at gentleguitar.com. <laughs> and as well, if you love this episode, you can join us on Patreon because for our Patreon supporters, Inga and I will be doing a, a special guest spot for our Patreon supporters for any questions that you have around music and teaching music and guitar. And I know she has a few gifts as well for Patreon supporters. So tune in on Patreon and you can go to the Patreon link on the website or in the show notes. And that's it. Enjoy the episode. So today I am joined by Inga Hope. Inga, thank you so much for joining me today. Thank you so much for inviting me. I'm excited to have you on. Inga is a professional and fully trained guitar teacher who successfully completed a two-year teacher training apprenticeship with a private mentor in New Zealand. In 2009, she opened her own guitar teaching studio in Auckland, New Zealand. And by 2013, Inga had not only opened a further three private guitar studios around Auckland, but had also written The Gentle Guitar Method for Kids and Beginners. In 2015, Inga moved to Denmark and began teaching one-to-one lessons via Skype online video conferencing. These lessons became a hit with the global homeschool community, and today Inga and her team work with students from all over the world. Inga is a head teacher and CEO at Gentle Guitar and a publisher of teaching and educational resources. She has a background in diploma in graphic design and digital media. 
and she uses her creative skills to publish original teaching resources that private and public music teachers use to teach music to kids. Inga lives and breathes music and desires to make teaching music to kids easier and more accessible for everyone involved. Her innovative take on kids' music education and her creative spark make her a sought-after speaker and author. Thank you very much for joining me. Thank you. I know there's a lot more to your bio, actually, and we can cover more of that as we go in, but I thought that uh, I would give that as the introduction, and then we can uh, talk about a little bit more about what you do and your background and where you're from as well. Yeah, sounds great. So you're a musician and teacher. Uh, Did you grow up always playing music? Do you come from a family of musicians, or what led you into a life of music? Well, that is a very interesting story. And um, I would love to share it with you. Please do, yes. (laughs) I, like most musicians, I think I was born a musician. It just comes naturally. I guess you call it a talent or a gift. But um, unfortunately, my parents didn't recognize it. Um, They just didn't know. And so it was unsupported and undeveloped for quite some time. And uh, I think that the reason that my mom didn't really want me involved in music lessons is because she herself came from a family where she was she was forced to take piano lessons. That's because her parents, when my mother was growing up, at the time they couldn't afford piano lessons for her older sisters. And so when the family finally was able to afford the lessons, the older sisters have graduated and left home. And my mom, as a young child, she was put through this rigorous music education because her parents wanted to make up for not being able to afford it for the other kids. And my mom, she's actually, she's a visual artist and she's creative that way. But she is not a born musician like I am. So when I was born, she didn't want me like pushed into music. So she made everything to make sure that I wasn't like put through the same thing that she was put through. So I actually kind of was sheltered from music in a way. Like she didn't want me to go through the lessons. That's really interesting. I yeah. actually was expecting it to be the opposite. So continue, though. What you're <laughs> yeah, it is an interesting story. I don't share it very often, but I think it's a special occasion. Um, I'd love to share it. I don't always share it, but I think it's good that people know about this story because it's what has led me to create the work that I do and um, be passionate about what I do. So my mother is a good pianist because she was put through all this piano schooling. And so when I was a little girl, she would play the Moonlight Sonata and I would beg her to play the Moonlight Sonata for me. And um, I needed to hear it before I would fall asleep. So in that way, yes, I was surrounded by music and my mother played beautiful piano. But at the same time, she didn't want to force lessons on me. And instead, I grew up drawing and winning like art contests because she was also a painter, professional painter. So I did grow up in a very creative household. But unfortunately, my mom was scarred by music lessons. And she was trying to kind of protect me from that same experience. But all I ever wanted to do was be closer to music. So in that way... Um, I think that I was a little bit, that opportunity for me to study music professionally at a young age just wasn't there. So then, because it sounds like your mom still, even though she didn't want you to repeat what she had to repeat when she was younger, she still was very involved in her own creative process. And that was art painting. 
Uh, yes. So in, in yeah. that way, she still gave you that creative outlet. But then for you, when did you discover that your creative outlet was really music? Well, that's the second part of, of the story is that I would sit and I would draw and I got really good at drawing because I had professional training since I was a child. And I would draw these sketches and this artwork. And then I realized that what, what I was drawing, I was actually singing, you know, I was making music i was making melodies and i was trying to draw the melodies mm -hmm. and so about the age of 14 i realized that music is my calling that's where my passion is that's when i kind of let my mom know really i think i need some lessons i really want to um do this and at that point she started helping me find you know opportunities for music lessons but unfortunately there's not a lot of awareness about how to find the right teacher so I did start with lessons but they weren't very effective and it's only in my 20s that I found a really good teacher that really put me on the right track and um, yeah that's when my career really started to take off uh, as a musician um, yeah because education is really important if you want to do it professionally and unfortunately you don't you know you don't know um, when you are working with the teacher like when a parent books the teacher you just don't know if that teacher is any good or if they're not so good because you don't have that experience yourself so my mom was an accomplished musician at that time but she just didn't know what to look for in a teacher for a child so can you talk a little bit more about that, about finding the right teacher and connecting with the right teacher? Is that something that is different for the individual musician? Or how do you know? What are the signs? And, and, and when did you find the right teacher that was the right support and match for you? I think that there are two sides of this coin, um, because there are two types of stories that we kind of hear over and over and over. We hear the stories of that my mother went through. She was kind of overexposed to music. The music was kind of forced upon her, and that wasn't really her passion. And then you have the underexposed kids who are musically talented, but the teachers don't recognize the talent and don't develop it in the right way. So I think the first thing is to understand um, the child and understand what kind of music lessons the child needs. And then you would go and try to find the teacher that matches the needs of the child. So in one case, the lessons would be more recreational, focused on fun, focused on development. And in another case, they would be more structured, more focused, more professional, and more focused on developing the talent, the musicality. You know, my, of course, my immediate thought goes to the parent in the yes. way that a parent gets excited or wants their feels, you know, you hear, and we can talk about more about this later, because I know you have a lot to say on the subject as well. The importance of music and learning music from a young age for brain development and for learning and for some for academics that you should learn piano early, for example, to help develop your academic brain. So I'm thinking of the parent who is ready to list their child, enroll their child in many, many music classes, guitar and piano and everything else that they can in order to give their child the jump start. <laughs> so what would you say to a parent like that that is, uh, I would think, is going to be overexposing their child to music, but is just really so enthusiastic, but wants their child to be successful in life? Well, I think that... There's a time for everything. So there's a time for exploring 
instruments and exploring different teachers and just, you know, even finding out if the child enjoys piano or guitar or violin, because I went through that stage right around when I was a teenager. I tried learning drums, I tried learning piano and flute and violin and uh, singing. And the correct thing to do is to to help the child explore, but then know when to commit and when to find that one instrument and focus on developing that particular instrument. Um, and I think that's where my journey maybe went a little bit wrong because my parents supported my enthusiasm and they supported me trying this and that and all the different lessons. But I think where I lacked guidance was finding the right teacher that would then work with me professionally, help me to commit and help me really go in one direction and focus on one instrument. So I would say to parents, help your child explore. And it's a good thing to meet different teachers and see if you can find that good match. But then as soon as you feel like this is it, um, the child is happy learning this instrument, you found this really good teacher, then you should really focus on encouraging commitment and if the child gets excited about something else, then kind of talk it through and focus on the importance of following through and really committing to an instrument. So there are benefits to, to both processes. So I think that it's good to get excited and try different things, but it's also good to know when to stop and commit. Right, right. And support and encourage. Yes, exactly. That's right. Yeah. So, so maybe we can also use your example and how did you, how and when did you find the right teacher? It was very emotional. I was, um, I was sitting on the floor and crying. I was absolutely in tears. And um, because I just, I didn't know where to go. I just had this desire, this passion for learning music. And I felt like I was stuck and frustrated and I haven't achieved anything. And I felt very, um, how I felt like I lacked the talent. I felt like I just wasn't good enough. And um, how old were you at this time? I was in my late teens, early okay. 20s, something like that. And somebody gave me a book from the library and it was written by a local teacher. And um, when I read that book, I just kind of broke down in tears. I'm like, I really wish I had a teacher like that because that whoever wrote that book really understands what I'm going through. And so I ended up actually getting in touch with that teacher and that teacher became my mentor. And uh, I took lessons from him and later he taught me how to teach. So I got the teacher training um, work done with this, with this person. So the, the right teacher knows how to support the student and uh, is really going to care about the student and see their potential and their talent. And I realized that what was happening to me is a lot of the teachers, they either assigned things that were too advanced or they didn't stimulate me enough. So I always felt like either I was stuck and not moving forward or I was just pushed at a pace that was unnatural. And of course, you know, you struggle if something is way over your level and ability, you will struggle. And I still see this happening a lot in music, all kinds of instruments, guitar, piano, especially guitar. If um, the teacher doesn't have the right pace, then what might happen is that the student might be 
over-assigned, like they'd be getting too much homework. And then eventually the student will get frustrated and they will feel like they're not good enough. They're not catching up fast enough. And eventually they will want to quit. And that doesn't mean that the student doesn't have the talent. It just means that maybe the right teaching tools were not used or maybe the pace was not right. So the right teacher, the good teacher, they will really be in tune with the student and they will give them the right tools at the right pace. And that's, I guess, the challenge because as a parent, how do you know? How do you know if the teacher is good or how do you know if they have the right tools and if they will support the child at the right pace? And I guess you can talk to them. You can attend the lessons. You can read testimonials and reviews. For example, on my website, we have a lot of reviews by other parents. And that's just one way to see that we're having success with the kids. Yeah, I mean, that's, I guess, the advice that I would give. I think that's excellent advice. Very good advice. And and can I ask you, what was the book that your teacher had written and why did what he or she, I think, is it he or she? He, he. He. What did he write that spoke to you? Um, it, it's embarrassing, but I actually don't remember the name of the book because that was now like more than a decade ago. Um, <laughs> That's okay. Yeah, his name is Kevin Downing and um, he is based in uh, New Zealand. And um, I don't even really honestly remember what, what it was. It was just a teacher understanding and explaining what I've just shared, that it's not your fault if you're not making progress. It's it's the teacher's fault. Like you were not taught correctly and that's why you haven't achieved the results that you want. So that was, I think, what resonated with me the most, that I was really passionate about music and I tried all these different lessons, but I felt like none of the teachers I had really had the skills to teach at the kind of level that I needed so I felt like I wasn't making progress. And then when I started working with Kevin, things just started moving forward because he was just a very skilled teacher and he knew how to like develop a student's potential to the fullest. And I guess I do this all the time with my students as well. You have to know when to challenge the student and you have to feel when the student needs a break and a lot of praise and time to absorb the material. And then once they've absorbed it, then you kind of challenge and push them again. So yeah, I guess that's the art of teaching. You just, you feel the student and you know how to guide them, how to mentor them. Absolutely. Encouragement, support and challenge at the same time. Exactly. Right balance. Right. So then for you, you studied with Kevin in New Zealand for about two years, I think you had said. Is that right? Intensively? Yeah. Uh, you know, I, I travel so much and I move around so much. I'm just terrible <laughs> remembering timelines. But yes, it was roughly, I studied guitar longer. I studied guitar with him maybe four years and then I did the teacher training. Okay. And was it your experience that encouraged you to pursue the teacher's training and to set out on your own course to develop your course? Actually, at that point, I was doing my um, degree in my uh, in digital media and graphic design. So I was um, studying full time and I actually had no um, interest in teaching. I was just 
taking the lessons for my own musical development. And two years into it, Kevin said that I should teach. And I told him, you're joking. <laughs> I just never thought of that. Um, but he said, you know, you have the qualities that make a great teacher. And I really want to help you step on this path. And it, it was basically Kevin who saw that potential in me and he'd encouraged me to develop it. So I was doing it parallel to the other work that I was doing, the graphic design work. And then when I graduated, I just had these two two directions. Yeah. And, um, and of course, the teaching um, won over <laughs> and um, became my job. And so now you have Gentle Guitar, and that is based primarily as an online teaching course for beginner musicians, focusing on guitar only? Yes, we focus only on guitar. Yes, we are Skype-based or online-based. We don't just work with beginners. I emphasize beginners because I think that beginnings are so important. And as you mentioned earlier, yes, it is based on my own experience and how much frustration I have experienced as a beginner. And really, I got trained as a, uh, how to work with beginners by Kevin, because I think that this is an area where a lot of teachers, it's just, just a very delicate phase where this you can either break the student or make the student. So it's my passion because if you teach beginners correctly and give them the right support at the start, then they just take off and it's really beautiful to see them develop after they've got those initial foundations. So that's why I focus on beginners. But having said that, I also have the other side of the school, which is focusing on developing talent. So we have quite a few songwriters. These can be girls or boys around ages 9, 10, 11, 12. And if a child is showing a musical talent and creativity, then I really like to develop it. So I have a program that helps kids write their own songs and we just kind of develop that musicality. So on one hand, we focus on using music as a toolbox just to enrich the development. But on another hand, I'm really there supporting the kids who are musical and who do need that special, um, more, I guess, more professional or more structured, more focused training to develop their musicality. So two, two of those things we do. Oh, that's fantastic to know, even uh, for myself as a parent yeah. <laughs> with kids that love music. That's great to know as well. So, you know, for example, say I'm we're a family that you know are really really want to introduce our kids to music, and um, I find your program. What is a way that we can best support our kids at home when introducing music and supporting music? We encourage parents to participate in the lessons from the very beginning. So we offer a free trial lesson um, on Skype. It's very easy to do. And we uh, ask that parents participate because if it's a five-year-old or a six-year-old, they will need the support anyways, um, just to, to operate the program. But um, in general, if you sit in on the lesson and watch what happens, you learn, you end up learning alongside with the child. And regardless, if you want to give it a try yourself, or if you're just sitting and watching and learning, just knowing what's going on in the lesson means that you can support the child at home. Because I don't know why it's been this way, but um, 
this is still how it is. And this is how music lessons have been traditionally. A parent drops the child off at a music teacher's studio or at a music school and waits, just sits outside or runs errands and then comes and picks the child up and they go home. And the parent is a complete disconnect because the parent has no idea what the child has been learning. And the child is too young to have a work ethic, an independent work ethic. So what ends up happening is Effectively, the music instruction is only 30 minutes per week, because once the child goes home, if they're under the age of 10 or 12, they won't be able to practice correctly. And um, yeah, just because they don't yet have that independent work ethic developed. So I think that under the age of 12, all kids benefit from having the parent in the lesson, because then when they go home, the parent can reinforce whatever material and the correct technique that the teacher showed during the lesson, and then they can practice together. And that way they're actually getting, you know, solid hours rehearsing the material. And that's how progress happens. So the best thing you can do, whether you work with, with my school or with any private teacher or if you take group lessons, if your child is enrolled in group lessons, the best thing you can do is just be involved and try to learn and understand what's going on because then you're in it together. You're sharing a journey. That's so clear. I, I know even from our own home example here within our family, yeah, I, I feel that disconnect myself sometimes because my, for example, my kids they did a guitar camp last summer and mm -hmm. they did it with their grandmother and their grandmother has gone to this guitar camp before. And so she took uh, four out of the five grandkids and my son and my daughter were, uh, went with her. And it's a camp that is very much what you talk about. It's a week long camp where they stay and they're completely immersed in guitar and stringed instruments and everyone plays. Even if you don't come to learn guitar, you can come just to stay and sit in and sing along and listen and just be an active part. So parents and grandparents and aunts and uncles, everyone is welcome to come and stay and be part of it. And I noticed that is when they go to their grandma's house, because she's had that musical experience with them, they're more apt to pick up the guitar with her and play or with her around because she has that relation. She has that understanding of what they went through at the guitar camp while at home. I, I, I love listening to them and I love their playing, but because I wasn't present at the guitar camp, there's a little bit of that disconnect for sure. Mm -hmm. And as much as I want to try and support and encourage them to keep playing, it seems like there is that little piece missing for sure. So that you explain that very clearly. I, I understand that well. And I think that's great opportunities that there's more and more, out there that you can and do that and, and be part of that. Yeah, I mean that that sounds wonderful. I wish that more um I wish that more opportunities like that existed where the whole family could participate because music is a social activity. And the yeah. more the family is involved, the more joy, you know, it brings to the family. Yes, absolutely it is. That's exactly music is a social activity. Absolutely. It's amazing actually how something like music, I mean all so many creative processes bring people together, dance and art as well. But music has this way of just also being so casual and inviting everyone in to participate as well, whether you're, you know, sitting by a campfire and playing guitar and singing or, you know, in other areas, you know, other places where it really invites people in to participate as well. So, you know, even going back to the beginning, uh, why is music important for kids? Why do you feel that it's, uh, 
you know, it's a great aspect to introduce them to or just to have in their life? Well, right now I'm going to talk about music for development. So we're going to take aside um, that aspect of it where we talk about kids like me who actually had a passion for it. So we take that aside because obviously that's important to develop. If a child has an inclination, a drive, a passion, it's important to nurture it. But we take that aside and we talk about why is music important for kids who might not show um, a talent or an interest in it. And so I think that music should be a part of every school and every curriculum because it's one of the activities that I'm aware of on the entire planet that actually involves, um, activates the entire brain and involves the entire child. And if you think about it, it's an intellectual activity because reading music is a language. So we are reading a language. That's an intellectual process. Then we have to decipher and translate that language into physical movement. Um, so musicians are also known as small muscle athletes. So we are translating this symbolic language into really fine, precise movements. And at the same time, we have to be artistic. We have to be, we have to express our emotions. We have to color the music with our emotions. So you can see how it just, it engages so much more than just an intellectual or an academic activity or for example, just drawing, like it's creative, but you're not reading, right? You're, you're being creative, you're expressing, but you're not activating the, the mind in the same way when you actually read and interpret a language. So I think music is very powerful for this specific reason that it just encompasses so many different things that happen simultaneously. What would be some of the challenges for parents and families that um, might want to introduce music, but they're not sure exactly when is the right time or how to do it? Well, the, the timing, um, that's easy. I would say that you can start official formal music lessons as soon as the child is ready to read and write. And as soon as the child is can spell like um, two, one, two uh, syllable words, and as soon as they can write their name, they are ready to start reading music and learning to read music and learning to play music. The challenge is finding a teacher who has a program that can support this kind of learning because oftentimes music teachers will not work with kids under the age of, it depends, eight, 10, 12, depending on what program they have. But kids can actually start learning music as early as five or six if the teacher has the right program. So I think that the challenge is finding the teacher that has the right program and that has the right training and experience. Because um, like, I'll just give as an example, the program that I have written, I couldn't find anything when I started teaching kids, I couldn't find on the market a book for kids, like a music, a guitar book mm -hmm. that had right. large notes and right. it didn't oh, make yes. sense. Sorry? Yes, I, I'm I'm understanding that. Yes. Yeah. I haven't seen very many at all. <laughs> yeah, because it didn't make sense for me to teach a five year old using the same book as I would use for a twelve year old. You just wouldn't use the same reading book for a five year old and a twelve year old. So why would you use the same note reading book? 
it didn't make any sense and um, there just wasn't anything out there. So this is why I created my own method and my background in graphic design. I was able to draw the notes really big and just make a beautiful method and everything is extra large. And it's it's I feel it's truly age appropriate because everything is big. It's like a book for a five-year-old should be. And so of course, having this method uh, gave me a lot of success with kids and um, uh, the method became popular in New Zealand and I went on the national um, breakfast show in New Zealand and that's how the school basically became um, exposed and, and people started uh, requesting uh, more and more lessons um, because of that. But I believe that the success came because I created something that didn't exist before and um, it's just common sense that small kids need big things to read. Yeah, that absolutely makes sense. And when you say that, I think, yes, that's why I was I was agreeing. I thought, yeah, I, I, it's very hard to find a, a music book that has, usually it's the very small um, print and the very small copy in uh, all of the notes and how it's laid out. So what are some other aspects that even Gentle Guitar is has focused on that you've noticed and picked up? I mean, having it appropriate for even younger kids where you have the graphics are larger, the music notes are larger, teachers that support kids and encourage them at the right pace and time to challenge them when it's necessary, but also encourage them and build up their confidence as well. Are there other things that you've noticed with other guitar programs that you felt was important to implement into Gentle Guitar? I was influenced a lot by my own mentor because he is an excellent teacher. So a lot of the the things that I teach have been based, come from that and have been inspired by that. So the answer is no, I have not been influenced so much by other methods because I think that I don't want to say anything negative, but I do think that a lot of the methods out there are not very effective. And this is why I've struggled for so long to learn. And this is why I believe that the the way that I was finally taught works really well. And so that's why I continue to teach in the same way that my mentor has taught me. For me, it evolves around having great materials and knowing how to set the pace and also being able to, to really connect and care and support the individual student and of course every teacher has that at heart i mean that's why that's why we teach but i think that the main difference is knowing how to to feel and to set the pace and let me just give you an example because i feel like i'm i'm talking but i feel like it's i'm not making sense without giving an example when i first developed my method i um before i wrote my own method i would take a method book because because there were method books for kids that I had purchased. There were like five different um, popular method books that I had bought when I was first trying to figure out how to best um, teach kids. So the very first students that experienced my method, I would open lesson one from one method book and I would teach it to them. They would go home, they would practice it. Next week they come back and then I felt like, okay, well, we're not ready to move to lesson two because I would be forcing things. It would become too overwhelming. So I would open 
lesson one from another method book and teach them lesson one again from a different method book. And then I would repeat that like three or four times. And then the child would tell me, why are we doing lesson one three times? <laughs> and that's when I kind of realized, well, because we need to. But at the same time, that's when I realized how fast paced all the other methods were. So then I started uh, making photocopies and then cutting out the lessons and like scribbling um, lesson one. And then I would photocopy lesson one from another book and then scribble lesson two so that the kids won't feel like they're doing lesson one five times. But in essence, we were doing lesson one five times from different books. So this is what I mean by having a proper pace for kids because if somebody is really quick and um, maybe has a natural talent for music then they would it's very easy to to speed them through the material it will only boost their confidence like oh look i did three lessons in one right you're not going to make them feel bad about themselves by make by completing three lessons in one go but if someone needs a little bit um more time then you're just keeping them on the same material for longer and this way you're really making sure that the foundations are there and once you have the foundations then the joy the love and the excitement comes because if you think about it and not just kids adults as well think about a task that you don't like to do you procrastinate it and you postpone it because you're not good at it but the things that we are good at we love doing them and that's the the major problem in music education is because this pace is sometimes very often i would say too fast it kind of builds up and kids get frustrated because they feel like they're not good at it but if the pace is really steady and slow and kids can feel like they're really excelling, they really got this, then they get excited and then they become passionate about it. So this is what I mean when I say that the pace has to be right, because once you have the right pace, then that natural joy comes because then the student is good at it. And what we're good at, we really enjoy it. And can you explain a little bit more to me? Because did you when you were first building it and you took the first lessons from from different sides from different lessons or theories were they did they bring different aspects into that first part like lesson one of guitar and that's why you used them and you felt it would help to make the students more rounded well well rounded or uh, did they just show different ways to learn the same part of what you were teaching mm. Very good question. You have some very insightful questions. No, because the methods were all essentially the same. I mean, they are essentially the same. If you open any guitar method book, I don't know about piano so much, but if you open any kid's guitar method book, essentially it's the same thing. The reason that I was repeating um, the lessons where maybe they used a different song or maybe they had a different exercise. So it was just a way to reinforce the same material again. It wasn't bringing anything new. It was just a way to repeat without telling the child to repeat. So if you ask a child to repeat something 10 times, they're going to feel like they did it bad or did it wrong or they weren't good enough. If you ask a child to repeat the same material, but in slightly different arrangements, then they feel like they're moving forward. So this is the concept that I used in the gentle guitar method. That's what the whole method is based on, is that 
we stay for quite a long time on the same material, but I vary it so much within that level that the child feels like they're just flying through the books. But actually, we're just learning the same foundations, the same material over and over and over. I don't know if that's um, making sense, but... Um, yeah, no, that makes complete sense. I was curious as to how, how you did that. And then for the lessons, would you then tailor it to, and like you said, you you know, sometimes you have a, a child who, you know, that's coming quite quickly for them and they're, you know, they understand it quite quickly. They are maybe a bit of a, a natural musician. And would you tailor it then a little bit differently than the next lesson you have as a child who is a beginner and just really trying, just starting to get their grasp of music? Well, the beautiful thing about a method that is laid out in this way is that no child is ever going to feel held back if they're flying through the material, right? So it's just going to get them even more excited, like, oh, look, I'm so good at this. I did page one. Next page, I did page two. Look, I did three lessons in one. So I don't skip the material, but I just let them fly through it. And that really boosts their confidence. And then the kids that need a little bit extra time, we just go through it a bit more gently. So yeah, I just, I find it works. Um, so I don't have to really go and tweak the method for the kids, for the individual kids, as much as I adjust the pace. So it's a bit like an elastic band, you know, I can stretch it or I can make it, you know, tighter or smaller. So everybody's going to either need longer or like more time to get through the method, or they're just going to fly through it. And that's, I guess that's one way to tailor the lessons, but everybody has to cover the same foundations. You can't, you know, skip from from lesson one to, to lesson 10. You still have to go through the motions of repeating because that's one of the things that I teach to to kids because kids come from this academic background whether they are homeschooled or whether they go to public schools the way that kids are taught is very kind of um I guess academic in nature you read a page you flip to the next page you solve a math problem you move on to the next and if you ask a child to repeat something it's usually because whatever they did was wrong so kids generally don't like to repeat stuff but in music i explain this over and over to kids that it's a bit like doing push-ups um it's a bit like doing a sport or fine-tuning a kick or a throw for a particular sport you have to do it over and over and over because you're tweaking it. So it's not like solving a problem and moving to the next. No, you have to stay with the same technique and just repeat that exercise over and over. So initially, kids find it really hard to grasp and they feel bad when you ask them to repeat it, which is why I have this method, which is really gradual. And gradually, it's teaching them the concept of repetition. So at some point, we do get um, to a place where the kids are happy to repeat because they really understand the concept. Right. And I, I guess with music, as you were saying, when you described it really well, how when you're learning music, it's also the physicality you're translating to your physical movement. And in a way, the repetition would be also building those neurons and pathways in the brain and reinforcing the muscle memory as well in that physical movement, too. Yes, exactly. And that's why I think that a lot of parents and teachers and students really struggle because the mind always runs ahead of 
the muscles and uh, the physical movements. So a child feels like, well, I've learned the E note. Why can't we just move on to the next one? And it's like, no, we have to stay with it. And that's again, um, this method that I have, it, it, um, keeps on introducing new exercises. So they feel like they're moving forward, but actually it's a way to slow down to help them kind of like move forward, but at the same time, stay at the same pace, like stay at the same level for longer. So yeah, it's it's exactly the point that um, the mind will always understand and grasp things much quicker than the physical movements. Mm, Okay. And I I get it. And it's building that strong foundation of each part or um, each note or each section that you need to build on to the next and really getting it solidified in so many ways. So, okay, I understand that. So I do have a personal question for you because I know you had, when you talked about, you described your journey into finding music and you were, it wasn't until you were 14 until you, you found that it was music for you. What attracted you to guitar above all else? What is it about guitar that called that called you out of all the instruments? I think that finding my love for guitar, I guess, is like finding your life partner in a way, mm. because it didn't happen right away. When I was 14, I, I didn't really know what instrument I wanted to play. I loved all instruments. I tried many different instruments. I think that Guitar was the natural instrument for me because of my songwriting. I do love to write songs. And it just, it was an easy kind of access into the songwriting world. You just pick up, you learn a few chords and off you go strumming and singing and composing. So I guess that's how it started. But it wasn't until I started learning classical guitar that I really fell in love with it. Um... And, and I knew that this was a match for life because the way that the nylon strings complement my voice, like the nylon strings, as opposed to the steel strings, the acoustic steel string guitar and the classical guitar, the classical sounds softer. And in the higher registers, it almost sounds like a harp. And I've always loved that sound. It's very angelic in a way, very pure and gentle. So for me, it's the strings. It's the nylon strings. They're very gentle. And I, when I sing, I think that somehow they just complement my voice in, in a really warm way. So yeah, that's that's what it is. And do you still play any other instruments as well? Or your focus is guitar? I used to, in 2007, I released an album where I composed the music and I played all the instruments, basically. You know, I did the arrangements, so that's piano, strings. I did, um, it was electronically composed album, but I composed all the drums and all that. And after that, it's been mostly the guitar. Um, I really felt like if you want to master a skill, then you really have to devote your life to it and so yeah so after 2007 is when i decided this is where i'm going to focus okay okay you know it's really your journey falls very much along the lines of so many other families and uh, people that i have had on the show who really so much of it is about finding their themselves and their self-direction their learning becomes very self-directed because they find that part of themselves that sparks their where they're fire is sparked, where their interest is sparked, their passion is, is become centered. And, you know, they 
become the guide in their learning. They are the ones who are directing their learning. And it just takes off, you know, the fire grows and expands and expands because of that, because of that sound connection within themselves. Mm. Yeah, exactly. You're, you're spot on. And I think that one of the things that I'm most, if you ask me, what are you most passionate about in teaching kids? And I think that because a lot of my learning was, was and is self-directed, I think my greatest passion in the work that I do is not even teaching music. It's teaching the life skills, is giving kids this feeling that they can learn anything. If they can learn this yeah. piece of music, they can, they can, there's no limit. They can learn anything. And the most magical, beautiful thing happens when kids actually get it. They're like, oh, really? Like they just, <laughs> <laughs> I have no words to describe this, but, but I think you can relate to the feeling. Yeah. Yeah. It's the, it's, I mean, the cliche is like the light bulb turns on. It's more than the light bulb. It's like you have this, this light bulb that's connected to this beautiful lamp that is like an art piece and you find the plug-in the right plug-in that matches and it's plugged in and it not only turns on but it becomes this beautiful illumination of light in so many ways so all yeah. of these connections that come together yeah exactly and that's the role of a teacher that that's what a mentor is and it, and it doesn't matter what you teach whether it's music or or math or arts or dance a good teacher will just know how to turn on that light and, and give someone a passion for learning. And then with that passion, the sky's the limit. Oh, absolutely. I agree 100%. 100%. So I know you had said really for parents and for mentors and teachers is helping the child to explore and to find what is right for them. So say you have two kids and it's very different for them. Their music is very different for them. How, as a parent, how can you, or say, let's say for myself, how can I best support my kids, encourage and support them in their music? What can I do in our home environment to do that? Especially when you have kids that are, you know, very different. Their personalities and their styles are very different. I'm not sure that I... I fully understand the question. So they're different musically, they're learning different instruments, or they're just different uh, personalities? I'm thinking both ways. But actually, well, here, let's, I'll start with the, I'll break it down a little bit differently. How about we start first with, um, they're not so different, but how in, in the home environment can a parent best encourage and support their music? And then I'll ask the second question. Okay. Well, if you have um, two kids that, that are learning music, that's wonderful. That's, that's a fantastic. We work with quite a few families like that. And sometimes one child will be learning guitar with us and another child will be learning piano with, with a different teacher. What I like to do in my lessons, as I already mentioned, I like to involve the parents so the parent really understands what's going on. But then I also bring the other kids in because music should be enjoyed as a family. And if two kids are learning, let's say, piano and guitar, then the best thing you can do is inspire them to play together. It's not always easy um, because a lot of things have to kind of align for that to happen. But 
if the adults in in their lives can make it happen, that that's the most beautiful gift you can give them. So if both of the music teachers, like the guitar teacher and the piano teacher, can kind of come together and say, okay, well, let's make this a goal that these two kids can play a duet at home, that they can perform this duet for family and friends. And then if these two teachers communicate to the parent and say, this is the goal, let's make these kids play together, then I think this is when where we see music come to life because I see so much that music becomes this isolated study where the kids are just sitting inside the four walls, each child in their own room, practicing the instrument, going to the lessons, but there's not so much live and interaction, but music comes to life when we share it with others. So the best thing you can do is support and teach the kids to play together and then encourage them to get out and perform together. So um, so you talked about the last step of performance after the children had uh, played together and um, created music together and then going out to perform it. Is that a very important step is the performance? Uh, because what if you have a very reluctant performer? They're very comfortable playing music at home and creating at home in their home environment. But going outside of that environment, they are not as enthusiastic, very reluctant, or not as confident to do that. Yes. My thoughts on that are, is that I do believe that performance is a component of a balanced music education, but I would never force a child to do something that they are, of course, not comfortable to do. But having said that, performance is a skill. It's a skill like any skill. So we teach it. We teach it and we practice it. And what I mean by that is nobody walks through the door and knows how to play guitar or piano. It takes time. And likewise, kids are going to not like, they're going to just fear performing because they're not good at it. But the moment that they feel that they're actually really good at it, that's when they're going to possibly love it. So before we decide and dismiss it, and um, I think we have to give kids the opportunity to develop that skill. So we work on that as well. We start small. We start by them performing just to the teacher, to me. Then they perform to their maybe siblings or family and friends. Then we encourage them to maybe do like a Christmas performance um, in front of maybe a, a larger circle of friends and family. And all through this, we coach them. So we develop that skill. We make sure that pieces are well rehearsed. We make sure that they have a wonderful experience. And we make it fun. You know, they maybe get to make their own tickets and their own programs. So we make it really fun. And then the next step is just going further and further gradually. So maybe they might perform in church the next step. And then if they really enjoy it, maybe we, we might encourage them to perform like in, a, in the community, maybe in an elderly retirement home and things like that. That's something I've done myself when I was um, taking my guitar lessons. It's, it's wonderful to be able to, to go and play, you know, in these retirement villages. These elderly people, they really appreciate the visit and they really enjoy the music. So it's, it's wonderful to share it. but it's something that you learn. It's not something that you force. Mm, okay. Okay. Which makes absolute sense with so many things as well. And building that skill, it's a skill as well to build and to practice and to get confidence on. Yes, because it's like public speaking. And if, even if 
again, we're coming back to music for development. Even if this child is not going to be a professional musician, just learning how to be comfortable in their own skin and to stand up in front of a group of people and take the lead and just express themselves. If if a child can do this at the age of nine or eight and have that confidence, then just imagine how much more confident they're going to feel in other areas in their life later on when they have to maybe present for college or present for uh, work. So you, the, the sooner you learn these skills, the, the less fear you're going to have going forward, because sooner or later, we all have to give at some point some kind of speech or presentation or talk. And um, I've seen so many adults who just stand there maybe at a wedding who have to speak publicly and their hands, you know, tremble and shake, even things like that. If you had uh, performed when you were eight, then you would feel comfortable. You wouldn't be so uh, terrified of it. It's interesting how music really does build on so many other aspects of life and life skills and even smaller nuances that lead to something else. Mm, absolutely. Yeah. I, I think music is one of the most powerful developmental activities on the planet. I agree. And it's beautiful. <laughs> yeah. And it's fun. That as yeah. Well. yeah. And fun. Exactly. Fun and engaging and connecting in so mm. many ways as well. So um, I know we're getting to our time and I know it's a little bit later in the day for you where you're in Denmark right now. Is yes, that right? right now I am in Denmark. Yes. Okay. Okay. Are you... Is this your home for good now or for the time being? I feel like I have two homes. You know, like uh, sometimes kids have one parent, but um, most kids have two parents. Well, for me, it's, it's, it's the other way around. Usually people have one home, but for me, I have two homes. <laughs> so I feel like I have my, uh, my two parents, my uh, two countries that I call home, Denmark and New Zealand. Okay. Okay. Do you create a space for music and creativity no matter where you are? Or because of a personal connection, you find that Denmark and New Zealand really bring that out best in you? I'm inspired by nature. I mean, if we're talking about my personal songwriting, I'm inspired by nature um, and both countries. When I also speak of Denmark, I kind of included sisters and cousins, Norway and Sweden, because these are mm. very close and they have just majestic, beautiful, breathtaking fjords and forests and really wild, spectacular nature. And New Zealand is also very raw nature. So I'm very much inspired by that, yes, in my mm. personal life and in my um, creative life as well. That's a whole other topic. Yes, <laughs> it <and> is. <laughs> I um, I love New Zealand. I've had the chance to spend quite a while in New Zealand many years ago. I have yet to be to Denmark and Norway and Sweden, but it's on my list. But uh, New Zealand always holds a special place. So I understand the raw beauty, the raw natural beauty that New Zealand has. It feels a little bit untouched in many ways. Mm, it does, yes. So um, if I would love if you could tell us a little bit more of how we could get in touch with you and learn more about Gentle Guitar if we're interested. I know many of my listeners are homeschoolers or unschoolers or do a form of alternative education. And I know you uh, appeal to a lot of homeschoolers as well. So how could we find you? How can we get in touch with Gentle Guitar and learn a little bit more about what you do? Well, two things. First, I would like to share the Music Ed magazine. 
I haven't Wonderful. had um, a chance to really talk about it as much as yeah. I as I normally do well, because talk, we covered talk about so, it now. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> well, basically everything that I've talked talked about and everything that I'm passionate about sharing and all the advice like how to find the right teacher, how to make sure the child practices, like what to do if the child doesn't practice and uh, how to support the child, what to teach, like which curriculum to use, what to do if you are not a musician and you want to teach music appreciation, like all of these things I passionately write about in the magazine and it's all latest research. And um, I also share a lot of um, activities like I share. And it's not just about um, guitar. I also collaborate and invite other music teachers that I know have the same philosophy. So we have a piano teacher that comes and shares a method that is very similar to gentle guitar, but for piano. So it's also very big notes for kids. So we try to cover all the different instruments and we just try to help parents make sense of music education and support the kids at home. So if you're teaching music yourself at home, you will find lots of tips and resources and if you have kids who take lessons with private teachers, then you're going to find ways to support and kind of dive into the world of music and understand what's going on so that you can be better informed and better able to support the child. So that is right now my biggest focus and my biggest passion because I feel there's a lack of information yes, um, and a lack of resources for, for teaching kids. And not just guitar, music in general. So that's what my focus is right now, is the magazine. And uh, the best part, it's absolutely free. It doesn't cost anything. It comes out uh, four times a year. So it's a quarterly magazine. And it's free. And you can get it on gentleguitar.com. Perfect. And it's um, it's digital, completely yes, digital magazine. Yes. It's a um, PDF, and you can also just um, open it in one of those apps that for magazines. So fantastic! Yeah, what I will do is I will include the link to that in the show notes as well, so anyone that's interested can go to that link too. Yes, wonderful. And the next thing is the the free trial lesson. So if you are interested in um, talking to me one on one and working with me, or if you have a question. It's a no obligation free trial because I'm just so interested in helping kids and parents get started on the right track. So you can just reach out either by email or by booking a free trial lesson. And I'm happy to talk to you and happy to show you what we do. And um, the lessons are available for kids as young as age five. And then we work with teens as well. And um, yeah, we just kind of meet and see where you're at. Do you take lessons with parents too? Yes, of course. <laughs> that can be arranged. So I love when parents and kids work together. But if if you have, for example, a child doing lessons and you want to take lessons yourself in order to understand and maybe just learn for yourself, but also be able to support your child, then we can also um, make that happen. Okay, fantastic. And where can we, do we go to gentleguitar.com? Yes, everything is there. If you go to gentleguitar.com, you'll find the magazine, you'll find um, the booking link or the booking button right there on the website. Okay, that's fantastic. Thank you so much, Inga. This has been a pleasure and I've, I've loved learning about your personal journey as well and how it so closely ties into you 
following your passion and what you're doing right now with Gentle Guitar and the magazine as well. So I think it's beautiful, absolutely beautiful. Well, thank you so much for, for having me. And I'm just very impressed with your questions. I think they've led us to very uh, interesting topics and discussions. <laughs> thank you. I, I Yeah, the creative process in music, it's, um, I, it's so important. I love it and it's very dear to me. And yeah, so I, I appreciate you coming on and, and sharing like you did. Well, it's been wonderful. I really, really enjoyed it. Thank you. Oh, you're welcome. And I actually have another ask. I know you have some music and music videos. Could I link that to the end of this episode? Would that be all right if I choose one? Is there a song you would prefer? Or I'll link, I could even link the videos as well to the page too. Um, you mean my personal music? Yes, I know you have on your website. Now I'm thinking, is it your personal website that maybe yes. I went to instead? And some of you have a few songs featured on there as well. And Yes, I have ingahope.com, which is my artist website. Yeah. Okay. Okay. Yeah. So yes. I, I would love to, actually, I'll include that and in, um, one of the songs in the show notes as well for yes, anybody yeah. would, that would love to hear your voice and hear you play. It's a beautiful beautiful all of them are beautiful songs so i had the chance to listen oh thank you so much thanks for tuning in today if you enjoyed this episode please share leave a review or comment i'd love to hear your thoughts ideas and reflections on the episode you can go to the website imhomeschooling.com or email me directly robin at imhomeschooling.com